You are listening to Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists, hosted by Dr. Laura Mock. This is a space where we talk about all things wellness, just for dentists. If you're looking for help treating yourself better, mentally, emotionally, and physically, you're in the right place. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to my ninth podcast. This podcast is also my first interview, and it's with another dentist. His name is Dr. Christopher Phelps, and Dr. Phelps was at my office last week to teach my whole team about the six principles of influence by Cialdini, and that's a book that you can read. It's really fascinating information about how to understand how to set the stage for helping patients accept the treatment that you're explaining or or offering to them. It was a very influential um, two-day seminar for us. And Dr. Phelps is just a super smart guy. So I thought I would pull him into my consult room and do a podcast while he was there. So that's coming up. And right before I um, start that, I just want to read another review of my podcast because I'm just really still having a fun time reading these and I think you guys will like them too. And also to remind you that if you haven't left me a review yet, it's still so helpful. Every time someone leaves a review, it helps more people see me and more people who can see me means more people can feel better. All right, here we go. Here's the next review. This is from a dentist named Adam. And he says, Dr. Mock knows how to relate. She's definitely got a knack for making you feel good, even when you're not sure it's possible. Laura is a positive light in a sometimes dark dental world. Don't we all know this world can be dark sometimes? If you are dealing with darkness, give this podcast a try. If you're already enlightened, let her help you avoid the pitfalls that may lie ahead. Great job, Dr. Mock. Aw, That's so nice. Thank you, Adam. And so coming up now is Dr. Christopher Phelps, and I hope you all enjoy this podcast. And I apologize in advance for some background noise that's in it, but just try to ignore that and concentrate on his smartness. Thanks, everybody. So it's Dr. Laura Mock here again today, and I have with me Dr. Christopher Phelps. You're my first interview for my podcast. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Nice. I'm honored. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And I have Christopher Phelps in my office actually here. You're from North Carolina? Yeah, Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he's here with me in Iowa today because I hired him to come do a (laughs) two-day class. I tend to come when asked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Dr. Phelps, why don't you tell us about you? Okay. Uh, A general dentist. um, Been practicing for 16 years now. Graduated 2003. uh, North Carolina, born and bred. Um, Went away from uh, North Carolina for dental school down in Florida and then realized that really wasn't the place for me (laughs) and Hmm. decided to go back home. And joined my uh, a dental practice with a guy who was my wife's dentist since she was 14. And just seemed like a really good fit and a really good opportunity, um, given the right conditions of things were going to work out. And luckily that they did. And we uh, spent the next you know eight years growing it from one location to four and having a really good time along the way doing that. Mm-hmm. So sold a couple of those, uh, spent more time focusing on the two that I took over. Um, to build them back up, and then built some other companies. So what I've kind of realized about myself and how I usually introduce myself to people is that uh, I'm an entrepreneur who happens to be a pretty good dentist. Okay. 
And so as an entrepreneur, you're then you're providing value in some way. Like, what are you, what did you see that was unfilled? So I think probably my biggest strength as an entrepreneur is problem solving. Mm -hmm. So I'm one of those people where I don't go looking for a problem, but if I find one, if it gets in front of me, then I can't shake it until I figure it out. And I mean, really figure it out and solve the problem. So a lot of my best ideas and stuff and businesses I've built have come out of uh, necessity. Necessity is the mother of invention <laughs> for a reason. And so when I took over my two offices um, of the four, I'd sold the best ones and took over the two worst ones. Well, that was a necessity moment where I had to figure some stuff out. So I had to spend a lot of time figuring out marketing. Why was I spending 36000 a month in marketing to get 60 patients for my efforts? 30 at one, 30 at the other. And I tried like tracking companies out there and nobody could really give me the data I needed. So I decided to make my own and solve the problem. But I was able to use that data when I did it to grow and get to 300 new patients a month with spending three-fourths less than what I was spending. Well, obviously, that's a great catalyst for growth where you can start pumping in a lot of people into the practice, so to speak. Uh, out of that kind of developed the scheduling service, Golden Goose Scheduling. So I saw a need with people having the same struggles I did. They couldn't answer the telephone with new patient calls and they couldn't make an appointment. Mm -hmm. So I tracked other call centers because my clients using my tracking service were using other call centers. So I had a kind of an interesting sneak peek into what everybody was doing. And I thought, if look, if call centers are out there and they've solved the problem, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. But what I found was they weren't answering a significant number of new patient calls and their conversions were worse than our teams. Oh, wow. And the teams were already pretty bad. So I realized, like, they're not solving that thing either. So I got to dig into it and figure it out. And so I keep coming up with these things, the membership plans and whatever, mm -hmm. are all built on situations I was in. And I had a need in that moment that I had to create a real solution for the problem. And out of that, I realized, well, geez, this thing worked for me so well. I wonder if it will work for others. So this thing that you do where you see a problem and then find a solution is that how you became a trainer for the Cialdini Method of Influence? It is. It is. Um, it was right after I'd sold my two best offices and I took over the two worst ones when I had all kinds of behavior challenges uh, with my patients, not showing up for their appointments like they were supposed to, not paying their bills like they were supposed to, not calling to even schedule the treatment like they said they would, but also like with my team and my associate doctors. Uh, I was in a situation where they kept coming to me for every little thing and I had to keep telling them what to do. And the problem with micromanaging people like that is, is you are tied to them forever when you do that. And my goal was to get away from the chair, not to be tied to it forever and be anchored to it forever. So I had to get into a new way of influencing them to change their behavior. And that's when I heard Dr. Cialdini speak for the first time. And his principles really opened my eyes to the possibility. And I know an expert when I see one a true authority. And I was like, that is a guy I need to know. <laughs> I need to find out everything he knows and whatever he's willing to teach, I'm in. Because mm -hmm. if I can build my strategies around what he's teaching, I should see a lot of those problems change and get solved. And so I was very fortunate that he kind of took me in and under his wing and um, made me one of his certified trainers. And then I spent years just doing my nature is I don't know until I try. Yeah. You know, most doctors, unfortunately, are going to sit around and think about it forever and still not act. My way of doing things is a little opposite. I It's like what we call ready, shoot, aim. <laughs> I'm probably going to jump and make a change and an action. And then if it doesn't work out, I'm going to figure it out along the way, mm -hmm. you know, down the path. So I started using my practices as my laboratory to kind of experiment and, and figure these things out. And then I learned and created systems that solve these problems. And I realized, you know what, I think this is going to help other dentists too. Yeah. So 
Let's take a minute and just explain what um, this Cialdini method of influence is. Yeah. Because this is why you're here in my practice is because we're going over your two-day course where we understand how people make decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and can you explain, like, if you're in an elevator and someone says, how do you teach this class? Okay, yeah. how, how do you describe it? So I think to, the way to describe it is just to recognize and teach what are people really truthfully using in the moments leading up to and the moment they actually make their decision. Mm -hmm. What makes them say yes and what typically makes them say no. And when you understand that at its core, and it's not the excuse we hear from most people after the decision has been made, it's too expensive or whatever. There's other things they're using and tapping into that we didn't realize leading up to and the moment they make the decision. So instead of making your strategy around the excuse we hear, well, it's too expensive, so maybe I'll just discount it. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you can do that to a point, but then you cut yourself too much and you bleed too much. Yeah. Instead, let's make our strategy on the root source of what they're using to make their decision and how we present. And if we do that, then it's not about the money. And more people tend to say yes. So there's so many dentists that I know who say they're not busy because their patients can't afford treatment. Right. And I would say that's because it's not about what you're talking about. It's not even about what you're asking about with their treatment. That tells me that you've bungled the opportunity before you ever got there. Because what the research science tells us about the way people behave and take action is it's about what we say or do first that matters more than anything we're going to ask them later. So if we change that, we tip the scales in our favor, and it's not about the money. It's about reframing people's perspective so they make this dental need that we're presenting in front of them suddenly now their dental want. And if they want it, and if they choose to want it, that's why it's not about the money. They'll figure out a way to get it done. Wow. I mean, I've heard you say that before, but it just blows my mind every time. And it's so true. Yeah. And it's when you start practicing this and you see it. I mean, I can say it all day long, but when you see it in action, then you're like, oh, dang. All right. I get it. Mm -hmm. Right. You see it in action. Proof is positive. Yeah. So tell me about persuasion. Yeah. So persuasion and influence are all about uh, that moment when the person is in front of you. That's when the opportunity, when they're live with you. Uh, persuasion is a little different. Persuasion is about what happens before they get in front of you. Okay, so persuasion is when they're in front of you. Persuasion is before they get in front of you. And we call it priming the pump. Okay, you can actually create a mindset in a person before they ever get in front of you that makes them more receptive to your message. Okay. Okay, so it amplifies the persuasion and influence when they're in front of you. It just takes it to a whole other level. We spent today talking about amplifiers, right? What really yes. makes these things higher. Uh, and have more power. Well, this is another amplifier for all of them. So the idea and the mindset I want to create is that I found that works best for treatment is I want my patient to have a proactive mindset before they get in front of me. Got it. Okay. Why do I want them to be proactive? Because someone who's proactive wants to avoid things getting worse, costing more money, costing more time, effort, pain. Okay. That's the right mindset because the message I'm going to bring them with treatment planning is the scarcity, the consequences of what's going to happen if they do nothing. So a person who has a proactive mindset that wants to avoid things is going to be more receptive to my main messages. We'll do nothing, but here's what's going to happen and laying out the consequences. Does that make sense? It does, but the doubter in me is saying, but I can't control my patient's mindset. Ah, so good question. Teach me. Yes. So mindsets is, is a popular buzzword right now. All kinds of people are hopping on the mindset train and talking yes. about it. But nobody's really talking about what shapes our mindset. Number one, what does that even mean by definition and what creates it? So what 
shapes it, okay, mindset, number one, by definition, is all about who you are in the moment leading up to in the moment you make a decision. But who you are in that moment is about where you are in that moment, where you are physically. So what were the sights, the sounds, the smells, and the environment around you leading up to when you make the decision? It's where you are cognitively. Like, what are your thoughts? What are you dwelling on? And we know thoughts can be powerful. Yes, we okay? do. Positive thoughts can bring you to best good places. Negative thoughts can take you to bad places. Mm-hmm. So what's what are you dwelling on with your thoughts cognitively? And more importantly, emotionally, where are you in that moment leading up to it? Are you still hung up on some fight with your husband or whatever? Where are you emotionally? Those things all together encompass who you are in the moment you're going to make a decision. And mindsets are fickle little things. They change. Mm-hmm. Like the mindset I have at work might be on success, productivity, but the mindset I have driving home may be relaxation, relief, because the day's done. Or maybe it's frustration because this person in front of me keeps pumping their brakes. Mm-hmm. Why are you pumping your brakes? You know, mm-hmm. uh, Maybe your mindset when you get home with your family is totally different than work versus your mindset with your friends socially versus your family. It's going to be completely different. Mm-hmm. So they're always changing, okay? But it's who you are in that moment. Now, the cool thing is, what do we use to shape that mindset? So we can use the context, the environment around that person, those sights, those sounds, those smells mm-hmm. can create mindsets. So let's say I want to create a mindset of family. So a new patient walks into my dental practice for the first time. And the first thing I want them to think of, regardless of what their mindset was coming in, is family. Because if it's I perceive them as my family, am I more likely to trust them or less likely? And I know I'm more likely to trust them. So I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, we had two types of cookies. <laughs> one, one that came out of a bag, mm-hmm. right? And one that came out of the oven. Yeah. I don't know about you, but in our house, when it came out of the oven, that was a good day. If sure. mom's making the cookies, grandma's making it, I don't know, but it was good. Mm-hmm. So whenever I smell fresh baked chocolate chip cookies, my mind immediately goes to that experience, which was home, family. So what if a patient walks into the practice and the first thing they smell instead of the dental smell <laughs> that we're known for mm-hmm. is fresh baked chocolate chip cookies? It's going to create a mindset of home and automatically somebody who was going to be uncertain about their experience with you because they're new, they don't know if they can trust you yet or not, is going to smell that and go, wow, I've never smelled that in a dental office before and that reminds me of home. Maybe this is going to be a cool place. So well, it automatically can shape their mindset from the get-go. That makes sense, but I still don't understand how you can use something like that to put someone in a proactive mindset where they're ready to make a choice of their health, you know, for their health. So that comes to the second way we can create a mindset, okay, which is language. The questions we ask people create mindsets, whether you realize it or not. So quick study. So they did a study in where they... People were at a random grocery store on a Tuesday at 10 a.m., okay? And the people walked into the store, and a surveyor was at the front of the store and said, hey, sorry to bother you. We're with a soft drink company, okay? What do we call them up here? Is it soda? Is it pop? Well, here in Iowa, it's pop. It's pop, okay. Yeah. So we're with a pop company. (laughs) Uh, We have a brand new pop we'd like you to try. Uh, It's free on us. All we need is your email and home address. We'll ship you a free case of it, and all we ask in return is that you give us your evaluation. They're trying to do market research. Mm-hmm. Okay, simple request. Give me your home address and email and I'll send you the soda. And now, of course, in this day of cybersecurity with some random who knows is trying to ask for your information, what are the chances you're going to give it to them? People don't like giving up their email uh, addresses. And much less their home address on top of Right. That. So again, researchers love to ask people questions they know the majority are going to say no to. 
And sure enough, maybe around 17% said, sure, I'll take your soda, your pop, bring it on. Let's try it. Okay. But the majority said no. So in the second part of the experiment, they did something different. They asked an important question. When the person walked into the store at the first of the store, they said, sorry to bother you, just curious. Well, let's back this up. What mindset is the type of person who would say yes to trying something new and different like that? That's what you got to figure out first. Okay. Okay. So what they came up with was somebody who had an adventurous mindset. Because okay. if you're adventurous, you're of course you're into new things. Okay. Give it a try. Give it a try. <laughs> so you got to start with knowing the mindset you want first and then figure out the question to ask to get there. Okay. So when these people walked in, they asked them a simple question. Sorry to bother you. We're with a um, survey company. I'm just curious. Do you consider yourself to be an adventurous person? Someone who likes to try new things. And they waited for them to say... Yes. Yes or no. But they gave them a choice. Mm -hmm. So the way when you ask people, they call that a single shoot question. When you give them a choice and one of the answers is perceived in a positive way by society mm -hmm. and the other one is perceived as a negative way in, by society, most people want to say yes to the positive one. So what your brain does to justify the yes is it starts scrolling back through the memory banks of your life looking for one example, one time where you did something a little crazy. And you're thinking to yourself, mm, oh, wait, there was that one time in college. Yes, I'm adventurous. Sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. It only needs one example to trigger a yes. Yes. Okay. But now you're committed to a new mindset. I'm an adventurous person. I just told this person at the front, this rando at the front. So 15 minutes later, they found those same people at a different part of the store and a different researcher came up to them and asked them the question they did in the first group. Hey, sorry to bother you. know you're shopping. We're the pop company. We got this brand new soda. We'd love for you to try. Can we send your free case? All we need is your email and home address. So how many more people, when they had created that mindset by asking them that question, I'm adventurous, 15 minutes earlier said yes, when 83% normally would normally say no? I don't know. Amaze me. 84%. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. It's like the opposite. Right? Complete opposite swing. That's how powerful when you get the person in the right mindset and you ask them something that falls in line with that, right? They're more likely than ever you've amplified the chance for a yes. So how do we do that? Well, I put that's the first question in my new patient form. Because if they get it before they get in front of me, that's how we're persuading them. Mm -hmm. And whatever mindset they came in with by me asking that as the first question in my new patient form, when it comes to your oral health, you consider yourself to be reactive. Someone who wants to... Wait till things get worse. So it's going to cost you more time, money, and pain by waiting. Mm -hmm. Or are you proactive? Someone who wants to avoid things getting worse. Avoid costing you more time, money, and pain by waiting. I don't care what you pick. Just choose. Wow. But now guess what? The majority of the people are choosing. Proactive. proactive. Great. And then I'm going to reinforce that at the chair. Yeah. So that's how I use it from a persuasive standpoint. Filling it out with a new patient form before they get in front of me creates the mindset. And then at the chair, I'm going to use it from a persuasion. So, Mrs. Jones, I see you're the type of person that prefers to be proactive. Oh, good. Me too. Mm -hmm. Well, you see why I'm concerned then with your tooth. Now, your first choice, of course, is to do nothing. But here's what's going to happen. Here's how it's going to get worse. Yeah. But if I'm mindset is proactive, I don't want to hear about things get, getting worse. Yeah. Or we don't have to let it get to that. We can do this today instead, which will cost you significantly less in time, money, pain, whatever. Mm -hmm. Does that work for you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Doc. That sounds great. Okay. Yeah. Let's get it going. That's awesome. Okay. So we were talking about helping the patient have persuasion or mm -hmm. persuading the patient for a, a proactive mindset. mindset. Is that the main thing that you do for your patients before you start talking about care is just, are you proactive or reactive? 
That's one of the main questions. It's not the only question, mm-hmm. uh, but what I found is it's one of the it's the question that has the most impact mm-hmm. on whether you're going to get a yes or no mm-hmm. to whatever you're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. And what I've tried to do is not have a different strategy for every type of patient in my chair, regardless of their culture, religion, whatever. For me, it's more it comes down to those two things. How you answer that question is going to dictate what I do next. So I've only got two strategies, and it covers both. It covers anybody in that chair, depending on how they answer that question. Are there really common mistakes that patients make when it comes, I mean, not patients, dentists make when it comes to persuasion? Yeah. I mean, well, I'd say for the, we ask the wrong questions, number one. Okay. And again, remember questions create commitments, but questions create mindsets. So an example I give is I used to, and when I started out in dental practice, um, you know, I was pretty good instinctively at the bread and butter stuff, crowns and whatever, but the elective cosmetic stuff I found uh, I wasn't as successful as I thought I should have been. Mm-hmm. Okay? And it, that plagued me for a long time as to w- the why behind that. And, you know, I'd get a patient in the chair and, you know, I'm talking about Invisalign and straighten their teeth or whatever, and I'm just not getting the response that I want. Okay. And I didn't really understand why. And then I started looking back through a couple of years ago and I found one of my old new patient history forms the old dental history form that we have all used at one time, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And it had an important question that caught my eye, which I never realized was there. Rate your smile one to 10. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what do you think the majority of the people, if you flash forward through everybody that answered that question, rated their smile on average? Seven. Seven. I was right. Seven, seven, seven. <laughs> I kept seeing it everywhere. Okay. So now, before they've gotten in front of you, what mindset have they committed to about their teeth? It's not the best. It's not a 10. Certainly not the worst. It's okay. What, it's better than average. Oh, okay. Better than average. So my smile is better than average. Mm-hmm. That's what I've committed to. That's my mindset. So then when I came at them talking about how to improve their smile, cosmetically, whitening, ortho, didn't matter. Do you see how the door was already shut? Mm-hmm. Because they've already committed to, why would I do that? My smile's not that bad. Yeah. They're less receptive to my message as a result. So we can ask the wrong type of questions. That's how we bungle the opportunity. Can I share with you a question I think is a wrong one that we ask on our form? Yeah. How many years has it been since you've seen a dentist? Mm, how many years has it been? So let's guilt them right off the get-go. Right. Yeah. And then they're like, well, it's been a long time. I'm a shitty patient. <laughs> yeah, whatever, right. You know, and, <laughs> and now they just reinforce the fact that I'm shitty. So exactly. <laughs> guess what I'm going to do to you? I'm going to be shitty. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. That's so interesting. Yeah. So I would not use that question. Right. Thank you. I like to draw a line in the sand and tell people, look, and that's what that proactive reactive question is. I don't care what it is. The past is the past. Mm -hmm. Who do you want to be moving forward? Yes. Who do you prefer to be? Yeah. Should we write a new history? Then let's start today. Yeah. So do you find that dentists um, can use the persuasion principle in their leadership as well? Not just with patients, but with their team? Totally. Definitely. So the whole idea of mindsets, because again, when your patient walks into your practice, you're competing against their mindset, whether you realize it or not. The same applies to our team. When our team shows up for work every day, you're competing against whatever mindset they're coming in with. Mm -hmm. And again, most of the time that may or may not work out with what you need to get done that day. So one of the things we teach is how do we extend the mindset in people? So we can create it today, but those little boogers are fickle. They're always changing. So how do we get it back to where it was or where we needed to be? So one of the ways we do that is you got to remind people of the mindset. You got to remind them of the commitment they made to that. So I took my team through an influence exercise where I had them define 
What does it mean to be a team member here? What do we stand for? Give me five things, not more than five, because the more than five, then they won't do anything with it. But give me the five things we stand for. So what does it mean to be a team member here? Yeah. What's our culture? Let's define it. I didn't pick it. I let them pick it and commit to it. And then I made them sign off on it. Everybody signed their name. But I post it somewhere they see it every morning. Mm-hmm. So that way, when they walk in the door, it doesn't matter what they came in with mindset-wise, that's the first thing they see. Oh, yeah, that's who we stand for. That's who we are here. That means that's who I need to be today. Yeah. I do that with my own goals. I set a goal, and I do this for my coaching clients, where every 90 days, I want them to have five things they can achieve and get done. And if they scratch those five things off their list every 90 days, it gets them closer and closer to their ultimate goals. Mm-hmm. progress along the way. So I do that for myself and my own companies, but I post it in my closet where I see it every morning. Your closet. Yeah. Because it's got to be some place that you're going to see every day. Yeah. Because again, I'm not at work a lot, right? I may or may not even be there. Yeah. So, but I need something that focuses me back on my mindset on success and where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And I look at that closet every morning when I get up mm-hmm. right? because I'm in there changing or whatever. So I look at it every day and it's my reminder that, all right, crap, I didn't work on anything yesterday. So what should I be doing today then? I guess I need to focus on my goals and work on these steps. Tomorrow, it's been two days now. I hadn't done anything. Oh, crap. I got to get, I got to, I got to get on this. This is serious. I got to make some progress on this. Okay. And I keep doing that until I make progress. But if I didn't have that reminder, it's too easy to get distracted by everything in our life. Yeah. And things slip and you lose your momentum. And even though I don't look at the detail of what I wrote, I see it and it's my trigger to remind me I need to be in this mindset of, progress, not perfection. So I need to make progress towards these goals. Well, I feel like what you're describing is very similar to what I teach Mm -hmm. because what I teach people is that the results that we get starts in our mind, starts with our thoughts. Definitely. And so what you're saying is you, you affix your mindset with these visual reminders of what you've committed to Mm -hmm. and that this influences your actions. Completely. So I think we are definitely in agreement there. Yeah. Well, again, that's your thoughts uh, create your mindset, mm-hmm. right? And so whatever your thoughts are dwelling on, that's what you're focused on. Yeah. So, so how do our listeners learn more about the six principles of influence yep. and about persuasion? Persuasion. Uh, an easy thing you can do is you can um, check out Dr. Cialdini's books uh, Influence the Science and Practice was the original one he wrote uh, 36 years ago. Um, and then, of course, uh, Presuasion is his newest book. He uh, released that about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd start with Influence because you've got to have a foundation first. And just know that Presuasion just amplifies everything in that book as mm-hmm. well. So that's an easy resource uh, to tap into. Um, if you want trainings and such, obviously, I've got a website, guidethemtoyes.com. Uh, I do a couple of these events in Charlotte every year. And then, of course, like we are today, I do private events. Mm-hmm. So, and usually that's what I spend a lot of my time doing, going around and training teams on how to what these things are. And I found most of my colleagues aren't necessarily as strong in the application of them. Uh, so, you know, you may hear a great concept and hear a lecture and go, wow, that's important. That's powerful. Wait, what do I do with that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> right? <so>. Yes. <laughs> and I've been there. I'm the mm-hmm. same way. I'm often very frustrated when I go to a talk I'm excited about. Because I'm left with maybe one nugget or something I can use. And I'm left to figure out what to do with it. So it was the same way when I learned these principles. There was no dental application for these things. Mm-hmm. So, But I had a need that I had to figure it out. So I spent a lot of time trying to apply the stuff and figure out what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, So I try to teach that application side as well. 
So you learn the science behind it, you get the concept down, and then of course you see the opportunities when they're present, but then I give you some ideas on what to do with them. That's awesome because when you're in private practice and if you're making money, that means you're you're sitting in the operatories working on teeth. Right. You know, so trying to make changes um, and improve your practice can be a challenge because when do you do that and how? Yeah. How do you make the change happen in the office? So that's good that you have um, implementation help for that too. Yeah. It's more than we have time to talk about today, but it is important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is a way to do it. Is there anything else you want to share with us before we sign off? Hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I, I told you guys the story today, right? Uh, if anybody's a fan of the movie The Matrix mm-hmm. with Keanu Reeves, that's one of my top favorite movies of all time. Um, the older I get and the more I watch that movie, the more parallels I see to influence in our daily life. And the reason is, is because there's that scene when Morpheus is, is talking to Neo in the movie. And he presents a simple choice. All right, Neo, you can take the blue pill and you can go back to bed. Forget you were ever here. Or you can take the red pill and I'm going to show you just how far down the rabbit hole this thing goes. And I'm going to show you the world that's been pulled over your eyes. And I love that phrase, the world that's been pulled over your eyes. That was just like a, oh, that's so deep. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, now the more I've learned about this influence stuff, I know exactly what it means. I see it everywhere. You can see what everybody is trying to do. I see how everybody's trying to influence us to to buy their product, get their service and whatever. And I can't turn it off now, right? Once you've woken up from the matrix, it's hard to go back into the matrix, so to speak. So if you want to take a red pill and see the world that's been pulled over your eyes, come see me. (laughs) Jump in. (laughs) Take that pill. That's right. Well, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today and for being my first guest on my podcast. Yeah, totally. Thank you for having me. So fun. And and you have your own podcast as well. I do. Yes. The Dental Slang Podcast. Yeah. So So it's all about communication, right? mm -hmm. Uh, I've always been like a a people watcher and curious about why people do what they do, but not in a scary lurker way. Uh, But well, I've always been curious as well as to why do we say the things that we say? Okay, how did slang develop? All right, our code words for things or whatnot, things we give meaning to that doesn't mean anything to somebody outside of our circle. And so it's about communication and it's about mm-hmm. how can we say things to patients in a way that they're actually going to understand what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So that's what dental slang is all about. Cool. Bringing on guests and just finding out what their topic is and what's their favorite slang. How do they get their point across so that the majority of people get it? That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. And I'll finish the sign off at another Got time. It. So cool. we're just done now. It's so. not too bad. <laughs> no. Thank you for listening to Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists. To learn more, please visit thelifecoachforbusydentist.com and take advantage of my current offer for a free, no obligation consultation to find out if having a life coach is right for you. I promise you won't regret it.